His idea of breakfast was a loaf of bread and a pat of butter and a kettle that had only just been set on a spirit stove. Leave it, snapped Hannah. The hackney will be here any moment. We will get breakfast on the road. Benjamin muttered something and went off to put on his new spun-glass wig and his livery which he had bought second-hand in Monmouth Street and which consisted of a red plush coat ridiculously embellished with gold epaulettes and embroidery red plush breeches and frilled shirt. He grabbed hold of his silver-topped walking stick and announced he was ready at the same time as the hackney driver could be heard howling from the street outside, prompting the doctor above stairs to batter on the floor with the chamber pot again. When they got to the George and Blue Boar in Holborn, from where the coach was to depart, Benjamin paid the previously agreed hackney fare of two shillings. The driver promptly demanded five shillings and threw down his hat and said he would fight Benjamin for it. Hannah told him to be off or she would call the watch and pushed Benjamin towards the York stagecoach. It was called the Stamford Regent and stood ready with four chestnuts harnessed up, shifting and restless, tossing their manes and sniffing the morning air. Ostlers, whistling through their teeth, were giving the last polish to the horse's flanks. In a doorway, the coachman, Tom Tapton, who fancied himself a ladies' man, was talking to a pretty housemaid with her hair still in curl papers. Ostlers began to shove luggage in the boot. The boot seemed to have an insatiable appetite and swallowed up everything thrown into it. Benjamin was being allowed to travel inside instead of with the outsiders on the roof. A thin, cadaverous man climbed aboard and took his seat. He had a colourless, epicene face and silver hair tied at his neck with a black ribbon. His eyes were pale blue and rested curiously on Hannah and then turned on Benjamin. Then there came a rumpus from the inn-yard. Hannah, ever inquisitive, let down the glass and looked out. A slim female figure was standing waiting while her luggage was placed in the boot. Around her, insults rose in the air, cleverly not directed at her, merely polluting the air about her. "'Wonder if their women eats frogs,' said one ostler. "'Can't tell with them Frenchies,' jeered another. "'Got dirty habits they has. She'll be killed like rats.' The girl's sensitive face was pale and drawn. Hannah assumed, rightly, that she was French and the butt of the French-hating inn-servants. She stepped down from the coach, holding her formidable umbrella like a club. "'Are you travelling alone?' she asked the girl. The girl threw her a look, half scared, half pleading. Yes, madame. To York? Yes. Then you had better have a chaperone. You are French? A timid nod. Come with me. You need protection. Hannah helped the young lady into the coach and into a seat beside her. I am Miss Hannah Pym, said Hannah, holding out her hand, and this is my footman, Benjamin. The girl took Hannah's hand and shook it. Merci, she said softly. I am Miss Yvonne Grenier. I... Her eyes fell on the cadaverous man and widened in alarm. He smiled, baring yellow teeth like fangs. I am Mr. Smith, he said. Hannah felt Yvonne relax at the sound of Mr. Smith's English voice. What had she expected? Someone French? Hannah's curiosity made her odd eyes, like opals, change from blue to green. 
And then something happened, something so wonderful, that Hannah completely forgot about her fellow passengers. For there, outside the coach window and smiling in, was Sir George Clarence. Outside the coach went Hannah again, blushing like sweet sixteen, eyes like stars. Inside the coach, Benjamin sat, rigid, biting his fingernails. He knew of his mistress's love for Sir George, and had wanted to do something to prompt a romance. So when the maid to one of London's leading gossips had been sent to spy on Hannah, her mistress believing Hannah to be Sir George's mistress and wanting confirmation, Benjamin had gleefully supplied that confirmation, hoping that malicious gossip would force Sir George to propose to Miss Hannah Pym, or failing that prompt his mind to more tender thoughts than mere friendship. Now the footman thought he must have been mad. Such gossip might drive Sir George away completely. Perhaps he had come because he had heard it. But when Benjamin looked out of the window...